Welcome to the Anime Podcast. Uh, this week we'll be discussing uh, the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, America, last week, as well as the protests, uh, riots, police violence that has ensued over a dramatic week. Um, the also obviously the tactics of uh, the American president. Um, we also will be uh, advising people if they can today uh, to go to the protest. Um, Black Lives Matter protest in Dublin, or uh, I think there's two protests, but certainly one of the two, you can get to them, um, if you hear this before then. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, hopefully you enjoy our take on it. Um, we best start though with a basic, the basic facts, again, if you've been living under a rock, um, on the 25th of May, uh, George Floyd, uh, who was a resident in Minneapolis, was originally from Texas, went to grocery store, picked up some cigarettes, um, and at the time, he was well-known in the grocery store, but the owner was not there that day. Uh, and so someone else who was a teenager, I think, or whoever was there working at the time, believed that the money he'd been trying to pay with was a forgery, a $20 bill. And so he called the police, um, and the police arrived. Uh, Mr. Floyd was, I think, a friend of his, were nearby in a car. Um, they hadn't left, which you might imagine if you're using forged money, you would. But anyway, um, and the police, uh, as they approached the car, drew the weapons and told him to get out of the car, which we will go into how that's not how you're meant to do things. But anyway, uh, they then began to arrest him. Um, he uh, did not resist. They then brought him across the street to their car. Um, he resisted getting into the back because he said he was claustrophobic. Um, at that point, another two officers arrived. One was a guy called Derek Chauvin. Um, he then interceded, began wrestling and trying to put him into the back of the car. When that didn't work, he, he either threw him or he fell to the ground at uh, the exact uh, facts aren't known. He then put his knee into the back of his neck for eight minutes and forty-six seconds. Uh, tried the way to, for the first six minutes or so, he protested and said he couldn't breathe, um, and that please get off him. And he begged. He also called, asked for his mother, uh, called for his mother. At, at after six uh, minutes, he passed out, um, and at about eight minutes, uh, when the cameras of nearby past people were filming, uh, another officer felt his pulse and could not feel anything, uh, at which point he took his knee off his neck at 8 minutes and 46 seconds. He was brought to hospital and pronounced dead about an hour later. So that is the facts as to what happened. Um, the, the officer has now been um, arrested. He's been fired and arrested for third-degree murder. 
the other police officers who stood by and did nothing have not been charged with anything or indeed removed from their positions. Um, the riots that ensued uh, have hit most major cities um, and are different depending on where they are. We can talk about how different riots are, have been responded to differently. But broadly speaking, that's what happened. Uh, I suppose we should begin by going around with a kind of a fairly simple question, but it's actually a complicated question, which is what does this event say about basically the position of African-Americans as they're called, or, or just Amer Americans happen to be uh, black, um, in uh, what are their position in society? Basically? What does it say? Uh, first thing we have is James, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so the first thing I would say was it didn't start off as riots, though. It started off as a protest um, and then became a riot uh, for reasons that are unclear. But you'd imagine that, um, I mean, anyone that's been on a protest knows that heavy-handed policing is quite frequent. Uh, and it will more than likely, if it hasn't already been established full, like 100%, it will have been a flashpoint somewhere. And the police, you know, escalated the the situation. So to say, like, it went from the murder to a riot is, I think, makes it unclear the steps it takes to, to get to that point. Mm. I was really just trying to do an introduction, but uh, point taken. Um, so, I mean, what's happened... Um, since it should be said that there, there are certain statistics about police violence in Minneapolis and in Minnesota, only six percent of the population of Minnesota are black, uh, and Minneapolis it's about 20 percent, but they account for almost 70 percent of arrests, violent uh, responses by the police. Uh, I think, um, I don't have the exact statistics on how many have been uh killed, but it is disproportionately higher, I think it's about seven times. You're seven times more likely to be to receive a violent response from a police officer if you're black in Minneapolis and across America. It's it's obviously well known now that uh, police disproportionately um, uh, murder or slash attack. I think rather bizarre fact is that along with heart disease and, and lung cancer, uh, uh, police bullets uh, or police chokeholds are one of the main ways that African American men die. I mean, that's quite a chilling fact. Um, and it's obviously, there's lots to talk about on pick there, but um, as James was saying, um, the peaceful protests, there is some debate how exactly it is they developed into riots. Uh, would we like to, does anyone maybe know more, a bit more about that? We have uh, Will. So I suppose like um, one of the, I suppose just to like answer the question as to like what status you enjoy, I say enjoy, like what status you have if you're like an African-American or like black in any kind of like country, I suppose like the UK or um, other, like I'm not sure about the situation in Ireland, but it's probably not amazing. Um, but like just like the depersoning, like systematic depersoning of, of an entire like race of people, like or people who've been racialized is absolutely disgusting. Um, I used to work in a shop uh, when I was at university and the amount of like fake money I would handle was probably quite high. Um, most people who, who have like counterfeit notes don't realize they're counterfeit notes. Um, if you do pay with like a dodgy 20 quid, you tend not to hang around if you if you knowingly do this. 
So the fact that um, George Floyd was like, um, you know, outside the shop and not running away, it would suggest that like he didn't realize it was a fake, a fake bill or whatever. Um, I mean, like, you know, I've paid with like a fake pound coin now and then, like not, not realizing until I've put it into a vending machine, the vending machine's rejected it. Um, it's not like I'm sitting at home with like a bunch of crayons carefully constructing um, crappy money. Um, it's just like the whole thing's bizarre. And I don't believe for a second that if I paid with a fake $20 bill, that my neck would have been would have been like trampled on for like what just short of nine minutes. Um, being a white guy, like I've I've never I never walked down the street fearful that that may happen to me at all um, ever. Um, it's just horrible. It it uh, should also be said that the the man who's been uh, arrested, Derek Chauvin, he had been there had been seventeen separate um, reports by members of the public in Minneapolis that. Um, uh, he had committed acts of violence or in some way had in, acted inappropriately. It also should be said his wife uh, took advantage of the fact he'd been arrested to um, leave the family home and um, try and get a divorce. So clearly this guy was a real piece of shit. Um, so, but anyway, I, at this point, uh, we, I think uh, James wanted to say something. Yeah. Uh, whether, I mean, whether he paid with a $20 note that was fake is kind of a moot point because uh, uh, like a small crime um, wouldn't even warrant, you know, such a, a huge response at all anyway. And so, you know, when you're debating, like, if he, he was paying with a fake note, you're pretty much letting in this room of doubt of, like, is it justified or not? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, I didn't mean to suggest that, like, you know, the man's life is worth 20 quid. Like, it's yeah. right. Like, it capitulates to a bad narrative. The the police all over the world are so quick to respond to the slightest provocation with um, overreactions. And I think what we're seeing in a large part in America, and we'll likely see um, further on, uh, as things progress, is that the police basically live in a constant state of fear. Um, they're not well-liked, they're not well-treated, um, and that's the way it should continue to be. And they should be living in fear, because at some point, you know, someone turns around and they start telling the bullies what's what, and that's effectively what the police are in the Western world. They, they're there to um, protect the land and the rights of the rich and uh, try and skim a little bit of profit from themselves, whether that be actual profit or more likely um, cap um, social capital. Uh, and they, they treat everyone that they come in contact with, with such disdain, even in countries where the police are a little bit better, say, you know, we're, cause we're an Irish podcast. Overall, you would say that the Garda aren't, too horrible if you're you know uh, white anyway but if you're a traveler or an ethnic minority that's very much a different case um but <clears throat> uh sorry i had a point there i kind of lost there <laughs> it's okay you said that but, the, especially, yeah. if you're, especially if you're a traveler the irish police are not are as dangerous to be honest yeah. with you as uh, if you were black in america you know exactly and the the, the way that the narrative has become is like 
whether it was since Trump has come into power, but I suspect it was beforehand, where it would seem that in the locker rooms of the police forces of America, they feel constantly under attack. They feel underappreciated. And as if, you know, it's a case of them against the public. And what we're seeing is the these two loggerheads exploding onto the scene where, you know, they're going down the street into residential areas where people are standing on their porches, firing, you know, rubber bullets at them while they're just outside and their own property. Like, that's not the um, the actions of well-adjusted civil servants. That's the actions of maniacs. It should also be said uh, in regards kind of the connection with Trump that it was one of the, I think there's a couple of policemen's unions, but one of the biggest ones supported his election in 2016. Uh, and he's consistently defended uh, the right of the police uh, to basically get away murdering black people. And certainly with, uh, he uh, in his one of the more recent uh, decorations, you have to dominate the protesters. You have to force them to submit. And his little photo op outside the church near to the White House was completely uh, part of that message. Now, to the police, you have to wonder what exactly they think of the situation. Uh, obviously, there's no point going to their superiors because they're not going to say tell the truth. But given the way they've responded in terms of attacking members of the media, and certainly in terms of murdering a man, uh, another black man, and leaving his body in the street for 12 hours, uh, everyone has seen that as basically a, the real message that the, the police on the street seem to have, which is, this is a war. This is what we're going to do to you if you resist. Um, and that's, um, I'm, I'm sure it's not right to say it's, it's, it's um, um, unusual in American history. I'm sure if you go back to 1960s, uh, you know, in the case just after Martin Luther King, about 6,000 people were, were, were arrested in, in Washington, D.C. alone. I mean, it's, it's, it's not unheard of, but the, the police reacting in this way is, is certainly something that's not happened since the 1960s. Um, so what exactly they're feeling, whether they're frightened, whether they are actually just, many of them are just racist or or long for a, a more authoritarian government is is a very, very key point um, because it will say a lot about where things are going. Um, I mean, is anyone of the, what, what, do, what do we, what does Will or what do James, what do you think about what the police are what do you think they really are trying to do with, with what they're doing at the moment? That's James as well. Well, I mean, if you, I guess the, the closest analogy that we have in terms of the police feeling like they're constant under attack in the UK would be the miners' protest in the 80s. Um, and you see a lot of the same narratives that happened then that are happening here. So it's not always predominantly to do with race. It can be to do with class as well, you know, where the police are the, the protector of the bourgeois and the miners, you know, are just working class people that are trying to gain some rights. And they just went hell to leather and battered the crap out of people. <coughs> luckily, you know, the UK police in large are not armed. And so they have to get close. But I, I will see how well that stands up with, you know, someone like Johnson in in charge and where things could lead to in the UK in terms of protests because it could easily kick off there as much as it is anywhere else. Mm. Uh, well, 
So I was just thinking about um, like the mind state or like the mental state of like a person who is a policeman and the person who is a, I mean, because I'm not one, and the person who is a policeman in America especially. And I was thinking, um, I think I've said this before, but like when I teach in my classroom, if a kid's like fucking about, which they do, um, if I tell them to not do that and they continue to do it, I, like, I might eventually say to them to get out of the class. Now, if they just say no to me, if like, you know, they just like turn around and tell me to piss off, which they sometimes do as well, there's not really much I can do. Like, I can't go over and like yank the kid out of their chair and like rip them out of the class. Um, and like, you know, good. That's a good thing. Um, but like, that's like a fairly low stakes environment, right? Like, if a kid's challenging my authority, there's not really, nothing really is going to happen that's that bad. But I suppose if you're the police, um, and someone is challenging your authority, because you perceive the stakes to be extremely high, you react in an extremely violent way. So if you kind of think about the kind of person that would want to become a policeman anyway, or a policewoman, and then you kind of like put that person in an environment that's hostile, and then jack up the stakes for them, um, it's just like this really horrible um, concoction of circumstances and situations that's, you know, obviously these things are going to happen. I really like James' point as well about um, what, like, the role and the function of the police are or is. Um, it's not to defend, like, citizens' rights and all that kind of stuff. It's to defend, like, the property interests of the bourgeoisie. That's all it's for. When you look at the police response to, um, you know, various things that's happened over the pandemic, it's been pretty, like, minimal. But, like, the second people start, you know, maybe smashing up Trump Towers or whatever like, whatever it was they went to do. Um, the police are out in force. They're like a highly militarised, extremely numerate um, set of people that's there explicitly defending um, property, private property. Now, I think it's it's important we, we, we don't um, kind of under-report, I don't know, under, we're not reporting stuff, but under-talk about the issue of race. Um, without going into a long history, which many people can look up slash or better talk about uh for 250 years a very significant population segment of the population of the colonies the british colonies in north america and then the united states were in uh were slaves as in uh taken from africa either as children or as whatever age sold into slavery their culture their language their religions destroyed um being unable to marry uh, the most hideous disgusting violence uh, imposed upon them. Uh, and unfortunately, that didn't end necessarily in 1865 when slavery was removed, or even when in, you know, in the 1960s when civil rights to some degree were brought in. Uh, a lot of the same racial um, thinking is there. The kind of othering of, of, of black people, which which James mentioned, or, or maybe it was Will mentioned, is firmly grounded in, in the American you know, experiment, they sometimes call the American dream, um, otherwise known as the American nightmare, as Malcolm X caused, called what the black experience was in America. Um, even though they're only 12% of the population, they're overwhelmingly large percentages of prison populations, of young, and, and life expectancies ridiculously low. We could go on and on and on. Um, there was this guy back in the 1840s, was a senator, who said that there was only two classes of people in America. Uh, there was white people and there was black people. And he said that even the poorest white person would always feel superior as long as they were white. 
Mm-hmm. I said that this, you could be the wealthiest black person and it didn't matter. You were still in that other category. And it was basically their, their working class and a class that created most of the wealth the United States had. I mean, they literally created it uh, through their suffering. So it's, it's, it's a completely, it's important we say that. It's, it, it can't be stressed enough. Uh, about the experience uh, and, and and how it's continued on into the present. Uh, the New Jim Crow is a great book if you get a chance to read it about uh, the prison system, basically a modern day slavery still mm. existing. I mean, it's, um, it's you know, I, 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 we can't really stress that enough about what's going on there. Um, how you, how the protests might change that is, I, I suppose, is something we, we could talk about. Um, I suppose the one of the bigger uh, victories in the 60s was the Civil Rights Act. Um, and one of the latter ones were passed in 1968, just after Martin Luther King was killed and uh, protests and riots swept America. Sometimes the only thing uh, entrenched power recognizes is, is protest and is violence. Uh, and certainly at that point, at this point, from every video I've seen, it there seems to be a, a general acceptance that you know what, fuck it. Uh, this is the only if this is the only way they're going to listen to us, and the only way we can get something done, then we have to do that. Um, do we think that the again we're we're not casting any aspersions on people who might disagree, uh, but uh, do we think that that's maybe the correct view? I, there's Will again. What do you think? Sorry, Will? yeah, I definitely want to say that um, violent protest is legitimate. Um, I know that's probably like an unpopular thing to say at the moment, um, but like you know, if you've got like, I think you said what twelve percent of people, twelve um, percent of like a population who are being routinely murdered by the police, and then you tell that group of people that they're reacting violently um, in the face of this, I think that's like hypocrisy um, in the highest order. You know, like people have got a right to defend themselves, I suppose, and an expression of that right is going to have to be realised somehow. I'm also not really sure how violent the protests are. Like, I'm not seeing um, people being, like, carted off to hospitals. Um, I can see how violent the police are being in protests. Absolutely. I can see how violent that is. Um, the police, like, kicking the crap out of journalists, kicking the crap out of protesters, um, kicking the crap out of each other and filming it and then making out it was, like, you know, protesters doing it. I can see all of that, sure. But I don't see, like, <laughs> waves of black people going around kicking the shit out of people um and like yeah i just don't i just like shake my head when i kind of see people saying oh you know why can't we have a reasonable discussion black people's rights aren't up for discussion you know just they have rights it's not this isn't a debate topic um it's just the whole thing's ridiculous uh james uh yeah i mean we're we are anarchists so you know pretty much within that um the framework is uh, use what means are necessary to achieve the the end goals. I mean, the governments of the Western world pretty much govern entirely in violence uh, from top to bottom. Um, so it's the only language that they understand. It's the only thing that you can respond in. Um, for, you know, it feels like in lots of places... With the, <clears throat> in America and the UK anyway, and to some extent, you know, this has happened in France and uh, Greece, where there was a nice discussion that were, at least we were trying to have a nice discussion with like someone like Corbyn, where it's like, look, you better 
siphon off some of this wealth and even out after years of austerity. Um, we, you know, we hope that you're going to make things a little nicer place to live in. And that was routinely um, put down, mostly, you know, by the establishment. And so that was the negotiation. And now people have been left with no recourse other than the way that things are going to play out. Because if you try and put it through the parliamentary process, it'll just get rat fucked. So what else are you going to do? Uh, politics starts and ends in the street and anyone that says differently is an absolute grifter no i agree absolutely yeah so at this point we i suppose we have to talk about the fucking derijo um so trump um <laughs> pretty much signaled to his followers i imagine in the police but certainly in militias as well in his talk of uh, when they loot we shoot and dominate them, uh, that he's willing to enact martial law and shoot protesters. Um, and he's also suggested that Antifa should become a terrorist, a designated terrorist organization, which is actually probably a, a, very, a good way for Antifa to get some weapons, given the, the history of um, Americans giving money and weapons to terrorists. <laughs> anyway, um, should this, do we think this is um, signs that there's a civil war basically brewing in the United States? I mean, does, I would say yes, but um, what do we think? Is this some, Is this a sign of where things are going? Is this the worst it's going to get? Uh, or is this just the beginnings of, of what's going to follow? Uh, James again. Well, I mean, it just depends how things play out. I know that's a bit of a cop-out, but um, I don't see it turning into a civil war because the civil war implies that there's two armies where that's not what's going to happen in America. It's one of the most militarized industrial complexes in the world, if not the single most one. Um, and so it would be a very one-sided fight if it was a civil war. Um, but it might be something more akin to just a, a sustained um, mass movement. Um Something more like the early days of the French Revolution, before you know there was too many weapons and before, um, uh, you know, like the violence really erupted. So, uh, Will, your opinion? So, like, I just wanted to make sure that you guys um, had carefully uh, destroyed your Antifa or Antifa um, organization cards. Like, I know, like, <laughs> I've like stopped paying my dues to like the relevant Antifa organization of which I am, of course, the CEO. Um, yeah, like, what, what was that statement all about? Like, what does he think, like, Antifa is? Like, I just don't understand, um, like, any of any of his bizarre statement. Is it is it like, a precursor to a civil war? I'd probably say not in America. Um, I think he's making himself look stupid, but he's probably making himself look stupid to the wrong people. Like, anyone who knows anything about Antifa are obviously going to be like, what what an idiot um but they probably thought he was an idiot before um the kind of like gun-toting baseball cap maga wearing folk who support trump probably think antifa is an organization of like ultra left-wing like terrorists all wearing che Guevara t-shirts which is of course the uniform of the antifa um so yeah like i'm not really sure if it'd be a war um like james says if there's any country in america and any country in the world that could like stamp out a popular uprising, it would be America. 
Um, but then would the police and the military actually fire on crowds or would they join them? I think that'd be an interesting one to see. There's been quite a few resignations in the police, hasn't there? Well, a tiny, tiny proportion. Like, most of the police would just happily fire blankly oh, yeah. crowds oh, in, um, in America. I mean, for like listeners in the British Isles as, as well. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, <laughs> not call it that. It's not called that. Don't call it that. <laughs> uh, in Ireland and uh, Lesser Ireland, yes, uh, which is what we call England now. Um, the um, uh, you forget how weird the American police system is. They've got about like six, seven different things. Um, of departments. You've got the marshals, you've got the sheriffs, you've got a local PD. Um, and so they all work in tandem with each other, but they're also constantly at odds with each other as well. Uh, so you would be maybe looking at how they would play out with each other in a situation like this. Because you know that, say, like, the, their secret service organizations like the NSA, the CIA, uh, FBI, sort of like the in-between between a police force and a, a secret service, um, they're just going to go straight on one side. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But, you know, what about a sheriff's department in a small town? Are they... They're people that are elected officials. Um, are they going to start firing into a crowd? Don't, aren't they the most weird? Just interrupt there, guys. I, I should probably, because I didn't earlier, uh, be clearer what I meant by civil war. I didn't mean a repetition of the 1860s conflict. I'm talking about something closer to what existed in the 60s, where you had groups like the Weathermen planting bombs who were left-wing groups. Black Panthers were armed, though not planting bombs, because uh, they obviously would have been horrible things would have happened to them, but also there was right-wing lynchings, uh, the Klan was in its highest form in years, there was uh, murder of, of, of protesters, uh, for example, at Kent State, where five uh, just protesters were shot dead by the National Guard. I mean more something closer to that, which was a more, maybe, maybe civil war is the wrong word, uprising, some type of huge civil, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, campaign of violence, whatever. I mean that, and I, I do think that's far more likely. And, and in fact, the, the the presence of right wing militias, who, by the way, were were people were the police apparently were fine with them marching with their weapons, threatening to overthrow the government, but apparently asking for police to not kill black people is the reason why you should be beaten off the streets. You know? Yeah. How dare you, sir? Yeah, exactly. So I, I that's I meant more along those lines, and I do think that is quite likely at this point. Um, in regards to what Trump is doing, it, 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 obviously we can't know because it's in the future to come what he'll become, um, whether he'll cancel the elections, not that that fucking really matters anyway to black people um, or to anyone who's stuck in the fucking gig economy or anything like that. So whether Trump becomes some type of dictator or whether he dies of a combination of dementia and syphilis is anyone's guess in the future. Um, I don't think that it's possible to overthrow the government in, in a kind of fascistic way there because the army is pretty much uh, not independent, but they're certainly somewhat, they, they would take the view that the elite should be remain in power. And as if Trump tried to overthrow part of that, I don't think they would go with it. And as James said, 
they have a military which is vast in size and they could stamp out any militia or even the police if they wanted to. The army is enormous. So I don't I don't think that's a risk. But the term, in terms of what happened in the 60s repeating now, I do think that's possible. Um, now, we should probably go on to another topic, which is a bit closer to home and maybe something that you guys can talk about a lot and I can talk about to some degree over here, which is how does race play a role in Britain and Ireland um, and certainly in terms of policing, I know London has a, has, a, has a very long, well, not long, but it's for, well, maybe it is long, established history of uh, racial profiling, the type of violence that gets talked about amongst the black community in London, it gets headlines, whereas the violence that's almost identical in Glasgow does not get the same type of headlines. Um, is there uh, a similar problem of race policing uh, institutionalized systemic racism in britain and ireland does anyone want to oh hands shot up right away um so let's go with um el senior el senior james um well yeah 100 percent um there's no there's no doubt about it i mean there's the added element of in the uk that um anyone of the you know the Islamic community is within that uh, remit as well. Um, you know what I mean? Like, how many deaths was there in the in the two thousands, two thousand and tens that were you know linked to um, the police watching and running counterintelligence operations against um, you know Muslim people? No, I agree. Yeah, uh, Will. So, like, yeah, um, obviously, like, the Met is institutionally racist. And the great thing about the Met is it's, it did this big, like, study on itself. And it was like, oh, do we have a problem with race? And it concluded yes. And then it, like, kind of dusted its hands off and was like, great job, well done, lads. We've done a, we've done a study. We've worked out we are racist. No further action required. Um, like, I've got friends in London who are, like, stopped in search quite frequently. Um, I've been to London, well... God knows, like literally hundreds, if not thousands, of the times I have not once been stopped and searched. Um, like I'm the kind of palest of pale, um, but I've got black friends who work in legal firms um, who are stopped and searched constantly. Um, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Something I am ashamed to admit is that my fiance and I really enjoy watching a really terrible TV show called Line of Duty. Um, it might be the biggest piece of shit ever recorded and it's incredibly critically acclaimed for some reason but in the first episode of Line of Duty which is about uh, some sort of like police officer in London I reckon um, this like hero cop um, goes and shoots up a brown person who's like I don't know carrying a baby like he's carrying his child and um, this kind of cop bursts into the room sees a brown guy um, opens fire and kills him and the rest of the series isn't about him being held to account for seeing a brown guy and shooting him. The rest of the series is about how hard it is for him um, to, like, <laughs> you know, work through this emotional process. And, like, this is, like, a critically acclaimed BBC show. It's not, like, you know, some sort of, like, random kind of bullshit on YouTube. This is, like, a proper, like, flagship TV show uh, in the UK. And no one batted an eye. Like that's no one, no one battered an eye at this, and I found this absolutely, absolutely incredible. But yeah, is the UK a racist place? I reckon it's where the Americans learned it from. I don't think like the UK is particularly immune um, to like you know racism. I think we're, if anything, as bad as the United States. So just it should be said that uh, the 
very well-known actors called George the Poet. I assume you guys may have heard of him. He's on Twitter anyway. But he was on Newsnight the other day, and um, Emily Maitlis was like, so, you know, it's been, you know, it's so different to Britain, you know, and he, he was like, no, it's not. It's like, in fact, Britain has a much longer history. You know, how do you think those slaves were taken? How do you think the slave trade was defended for hundreds of years? How do you think, you know, the Caribbean, the native population of the Caribbean was wiped out and slaves were brought in because they had, they needed someone to work for free and to be brutalized? How do you think, you know, um, British society functioned until what the eighties or nineties? I mean, go and watch Jim Davidson if you can fucking bother. Or, or oh, Jesus, no. Or to yourself about some of the stuff he said. Even uh, what's that guy's name? Who's now a who really hated Corbyn, the comedian, Jewish comedian. Uh, oh, David Bedell. David Bedell used to wear blackface for God's sake in the nineteen nineties. It's 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 as rooted in British culture as, as America. It's just they have the abil amazing ability to have amnesia for anything they've ever done that's wrong and pretend they've not done it. That's what the greatest power of the Brits is to pretend none of the shit things they've done actually happened. Oh, I don't remember that. Anyway, well, on that, the, I, the old on that goes, note, James. Yeah, the old joke goes because, um, like, somewhere like Australia is incredibly racist as well. And it, the joke is, um, racism is like cricket. The English invented it, but the Australians perfected it. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, and that's like that is a legacy that um, England and well, the British Empire anyway has in the world. If you want, point it anywhere on the map and where there's a problem, uh, one hundred percent of the time, Britain's involved somehow. It's got something to do with it. Um, and that's not to say that you know the rest of Europe is gets away skiki queen either, because France is you know huge <clears throat> systemically racist. Um, you know Germany, um, maybe not so much now, but um, I mean they really took racism to the next level in the twentieth century. So uh, just to say in regards to Germany, try and be Turkish in Germany. Believe me, it's, they're still racist. Yeah, uh, uh, will. Yeah, so like one of the things that I think um, was quite noteworthy this week was Caitlin Moran and Piers Morgan retweeting that um, really heartfelt and touching speech by Killer Mike. And uh, they've been like both like, uh, I mean like Piers Morgan and Caitlin Moran have both been really vociferous critics of Donald Trump's policy um, and like the way he's handled uh, the riots. Um, but both, of course, were like wanting um, the police to start uh, patrolling the streets, the police enacted the military to start patrolling the streets of London during the London riots in 2012, was it? 2012? 2011, yeah. isn't it? 2011, yeah. Um, so, like, although they're happy to condemn racism abroad and have a bit of a sneer and look down upon our, like, American cousins or whatever, um, they're not very good at turning that eye inward. No, and, and to be honest with you, neither are Irish people. Um, we have a system that's yeah, very bureaucratic called direct provision, which is actually just locking up uh, asylum seekers, many of whom are African refugees, uh, in literal camps because there's often not housing, prefab, surrounded by gates, regimenting their lives, preventing them from integration, integrating in work or communities. And to pretend that we, we didn't have a horrendous campaign against a mixed race couple, which we've discussed before, not even that long ago, uh, or indeed any person who's lived in Ireland who's a person of color and say, did you ever come across racism? They go, of course I did. It's, it's, it's as rooted here 
um, as it is, maybe not as it is everywhere because of somewhat different history, but there is definitely that kind of um, hatred of that othering, othering and that hatred of, of non kind of Irish, uh, especially those who are people of color. Um, and really the fact that Irish people ignored direct provision in particular, because it is such an egregious example, so surprising it's even legal uh, by any law, any EU law or any law for that matter, um, is stunning. The, the, the ability to, to, to say, oh, the Americans are hideous Americans. Meanwhile, I'm putting my back on, you know, any uh, direct provision or indeed uh, the treating the, the treatment of travelers who, I mean, just the other day, my neighbor referred to travelers as vermin. I mean, I, it's, 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 it's stunning. Um, but yeah, I will. Um, yeah, so like, uh, the, I think the only thing I was going to say was um, it'll be interesting to see the police response to the protest outside the American embassy on Saturday. Um, because like they did not really give a shit when she who shall not be named um, protested um, with like her gang of weirdos um, all over Ireland, really. Um, they didn't really do much to like stop that or ensure social distancing. In fact, she tweeted loads of videos of herself um, like hugging and like you know, holding hands with like everyone at that at that protest. So the police didn't give a shit there. So it'd be interesting to see how they respond to like a Black Lives Matter protest on Saturday. Agreed. Uh, Will, sorry, uh, James. Uh, yeah, I mean it'll be interesting. And even though it is the middle of the lockdown, I do sort of encourage people to head along uh, because they're you know it's obviously planned to be a social distance um, um, protest. And so far as much as that will be possible. Um, but, I mean, the thing is with, you know, like living in systemically racist countries is it's not going to be changed overnight. But it's like amazingly fucking important to make sure that it is changed. You know, hopefully, you know, like try and get it done in a lifetime. Um, which I don't, you know, or at least dial it back from 11, which... <laughs> where it's been turned up to um, you know your, your weakest members of society if that's the way that they'll be treated it undermines everyone it means that you know it doesn't matter what position you're in you're you know you're coasting on blood money and you're profiting from someone else's pain and um I mean, we're trying, you know, when we're saying, like, not trying to lose focus of um, it being about race, you know, as three white men on a podcast, which is the... The whitest uh, man. The whitest <laughs> man, yeah. The, what makes us marketable is that none of us went to Oxford, and we're the first left-wing podcast to do that. I went to the Irish Oxford, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... Um, uh, you should hear what um, people from Oxford say about Trinity. Um, but yeah, sure. <laughs> the um, the point that I, you know I'm trying to get to is that um, it's it's just has to fucking change. It's just ridiculous. It's unbelievable, and the reason that people feel so um, deeply about it, even if they are white. Is you know because we get to walk around with white privilege, uh, but when that fucking little bubble gets burst and you can see you know that you have that privilege and what you can do with it, and someone else doesn't have it, like the the proper reaction should be like, well, 
I'll fucking give up some of my privilege, or I'll give up what I can to make sure that this is an, uh, you know, an even playing field. No, I agree. Um, I think the, I mean, to make sure that this stays on issue of race, because you could take it off into any different uh, tangent. Um, I was reading an article, very, very long, very good article. Um, I'll link it at the bottom of the uh, the podcast. Um, and it was about reparations. And it made an amazing, a series of amazing points that even since um, the beginnings of slavery in America, literally in the 1670s, there was a court case taken by a woman who was taken into slavery and, and freed and her, her um, she sued the man who had enslaved her for 50 years and won the court case. Now, she didn't get very much. She got a pension for in her old age. But you can look through examples uh, of how even in the modern era, in the 60s, there was a court case taken by uh, residents of a, of a, a, a ghetto outside of um, Chicago who had been unable to get mortgages because the system had been rigged so black people weren't allowed to have mortgages. And so instead they had to go to basically money lenders nearby who you know, rat fucked them for years and years and they took that court case. Now they won part of it, but they weren't able to get any type of restitution. But there is a history there where there is a debt and it, and it exists in other places as well. I think over here, we Irish people need to consider some type of reparations for, for travelers, something that would actually allow them to live a better life. I certainly think in America, Britain owes so much reparations that it, it, we don't even need to get into that. Um, but I, I think maybe the answer, and it's certainly something again NAACP has suggested, that reparations of some form need to be brought in. Now, again, how that would be done uh, is different answers. But uh, what do we think of that type of idea of a reparations for, for a historical wrong and a current wrong too, uh, James? Well, I mean, we have to go beyond that as well of just doing it in your back door. We're going to have to do it for the entire like Southern Hemisphere of the world. <laughs> you know, the, um, the climate chaos is heading down at is an incredible rate. And the people that's going to affect the most first is going to be the poorest, you know, societies on the world who we all benefit from their misery. You know, I'm talking, I'm doing this podcast on an iPhone that's got, you know, precious minerals that, have, you know, that children have had to be mined for. Um, it's been assembled in a sweatshop in China, et cetera, et cetera. And... I mean, what, if we can't even fix the problems in our own backyard in the little time that we have um, when it comes to, you know, ethnic minorities and people of colour, what are we going to do when they're all having to flee Africa because it's so hot or when, you know, like South America just becomes completely unlivable and underwater? No, oh, I agree. Uh, Will? Yeah, um, obviously, like, just like echo what James said, like, totally agree. Um, like, reparations probably aren't enough. Um, I would say uh, not to, like, <clears throat> tout this as, like, being, like, the best example in the world, but Glasgow University did start paying, I think it was at the West Indies, but um, Glasgow University did this uh, study on um, how they benefited from the slave trade, and I think they ended up committing themselves to paying the West Indies or an institution there or something like that, um, six million quid a year. 
um, for like the next 50 years or whatever, um, which is how much they felt the old. Um, and I think like, you know, it's kind of shitty and it's a fairly small amount of money compared to how much money that university has, I suspect. But as a language act, it's pretty pretty good, I suppose, to like signal to like other institutions that they ought to be doing the same. Um, and I suppose if you're prepared to do that kind of study and then accept responsibility, just holding your hand up and saying, we fucked up here, um, is quite a big deal. The UK doesn't even do that. It just totally ignores everything. Um, it's not even prepared to acknowledge the fact that it's fucked up in the past. Um, yeah. But reparations can come in many different forms. Like, here's a good example. Most of uh, the, um, what's it called? Opium uh, that's used to make um, uh, painkillers uh, that uh, for the American market, pharma, pharma, comes from Turkey. It's grown there as poppies. Why couldn't you just give that to Afghanistan and say, look, we're going to basically, you know, they already grow tons of poppies anyway. We're not, you're not, you won't have to sell it to the Taliban. We will buy it from you. We will basically, you know, fund your economy uh, on something that's already been grown there. And that's like the, just a really tiny thing, or saying, or, or just wiping out third world debt. Say, nope, that there is no debt. That was neo-colonialism. We acknowledge what that was. Gone, done. Uh, and from now on, you know, you, the type of loans that are provided, if that's you know, and that's not even a huge thing to suggest, will be won't be come with enormous interest attached, an enormous you know World Bank. Well, you have to do this, this, and this. You have to basically institute neoliberalism for us to give you money. All those types of things are not radical ideas, but they could very easily change lives in all these places. And yeah, exactly. In regards, if we really wanted to be uh, give reparations for what we're doing right now, we could say, you know what, we're going to not only uh, remove third world debt, but we're going to actually start uh, controlling the amount of pollution, the amount of carbon we're pumping out there that's going to destroy most of sub-Saharan Africa, you know? But so these things are not necessarily radical ideas, um, but they become radical because of the racism and the othering that we were talking about earlier. Uh, James? I mean, the problem is, though, is that uh, the press and a population at large, they are radical ideas. Like, we can't even, we're not even going to give, like, forgive um, Greece's debt anytime soon or Italy's debt that it's, you know, compounded from the COVID crisis. I mean, the whole of Europe was, you know, was on lockdown and there's no debt that's going to be wiped. It's just going to be austerity 2.0. No, I agree. And, and that's why this, I think any logical analysis of what's going on at the moment it, it, it guarantees and there's no official uh, avenue, no parliamentary avenue to, to actually change the world. It has to be done in the streets because literally there's no other option. Uh, they're going to rat fuck us one way or the other through official channels. Uh, and it, it means going to the streets. And it, even if America is there now, America is always, you know, you know, that much <laughs> worse than other, you know, Europe in certain ways um, or that much further down the road, I suppose, to, to societal collapse. But it doesn't, you know, as James said, austerity 2.0 is going to make us America, or it seemed worse than America, in in not too long a time. Um, and unfortunately, that uh, and that that means we're going to have to, uh, as anarchists, start making some very serious arguments that uh, and take our get out of our comfort zones and stop get off the podcast <laughs> <laughs> and into the streets, you know.
So that was uh, this week's podcast. Uh, for those of you who are regular listeners, you know, may have noticed we didn't bring up Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, this week we thought uh, the matter was basically too serious to joke around with Mr. Epstein. But we'll be getting back to hunt for the evil spectre uh, next week. Hopefully with something a little bit more um, upbeat. But uh, yeah, so we'll see you next week, next Saturday. I'm going to try and keep a regular schedule from now on. Bye-bye. Right about now, NWA court is in full effect. Judge Dre resigning. In the case of NWA versus the police department, prosecuting attorneys are MC Red, Ice Cube, and Easy Motherfucking E. Order, order, order. Ice Cube, take the motherfucking stand. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help your black ass? You goddamn right. But won't you tell everybody what the fuck you gotta say? Fuck the police coming straight from the underground. A young nigga got it bad cause I'm brown. And not the other color, so police think they have the authority to kill a minority. Fuck that shit cause I ain't the one for a punk motherfucker with a badge and a gun to be beaten on. And thrown in jail, we can go toe to toe in the middle of a Is selling narcotics. You rather see me in the pen than me and Lorenzo rolling in a benzo. Be the police out of shape, and when I finish, bring the yellow tape to tape off the scene of the slaughter. Still getting swole up bread and water. I don't know if they fags or what. Search a nigga down and grabbing his nuts. And on the other hand, without a gun, it can't get none. But don't let it be a black and a white one, cause they'll slam you down to the street top. Black police showing out for the white cop ice cube will swarm on any motherfucker in a blue uniform just cause i'm from the cpt punk police are afraid of me huh a young nigga on the war path and when i finish it's gonna be a bloodbath of cops dying in la yo dre i got something to say
fuck to say. Chicken shit, motherfucker. Hey. 